Welcome to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller. Several years ago, a couple of professors were going about their normal routine, teaching classes, and every week the professors would have office hours, like most professors do, and they'd be available to answer questions about the homework or whatever. And one of the professors, Bill Burnett, says they noticed they were getting a lot of questions like this. I'm learning lots of stuff, but what's it going to add up to? I want my life to be meaningful, but I don't know what my purpose is. Everybody says, follow your passion, but I don't know my passion. So, you know, I got tired of answering the same questions one-on-one, and we put everybody together in a class and, you know, just started, you know, prototyping our way towards the curriculum that we now have. That curriculum is for a course called Designing Your Life, which is one of the most popular courses at Stanford. And Bill Burnett and his co-author and co-teacher, Dave Evans, have written a best-selling book by the same name. They now also work with folks who are mid-career, as well as those who are just starting out. The idea of designing something better was not foreign to Burnett and Evans. They both had experience designing. Burnett helped design the first laptop hinges, as well as Star Wars action figures. And Evans was on the team at Apple that developed the computer mouse. As professors, they felt like there were lots of college courses on math and biology and history, but hardly anything on how to design a life you'd actually enjoy. Indeed, students often hold on to what Burnett and Evans call dysfunctional beliefs, which in designing your life get unlearned. Here's Bill Burnett again. They'll come and say, oh, I took the wrong major. I, I majored in history and I should have majored in computer science. Completely not true. If you loved your major, it was fine. Majors are how you organize college, not how you organize careers. Less than 20% of the people 10 years out of school are doing anything that had anything to do with their you know, major field of study. Hmm. So they, I did the wrong major. Or it's too late for me to change. I thought, I, but now I realize I want to go to med school, but I didn't do the med school track. Right. It's never too late to change. There's always plenty of time. Our students are probably going to live to be 100 and work for 60 or 70 <laughs> you years. You don't so have to feel committed at 19 is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, you don't have to feel committed at 19. So a lot of what we did was just blow up these dysfunctional beliefs and help them get started on some questions that were actually useful. And people have different problems when they're, you know, in their mid-career. Right. And let me, before you get into that, I'll, I'll just say as a, you know, personal kind of confession is that I majored in English, which you wouldn't necessarily would you know, lead to hosting a radio show about innovation. And it didn't initially. But um, I actually, because I was reading your book before, I actually walked around our newsroom and asked people what they majored in. And I felt like 50-50, like people who majored in journalism and people who just didn't. Sociology, history, theater. I heard a bunch of stuff. Yeah, most lives are not lived linearly. You know, and we're trying to invent this thing called the future. Nobody's been there before. So you're actually trying to do an impossible task. You can't navigate your way to the future. You know, when you use your GPS thing in your car, you know exactly where you are. You know exactly where you're going. And you have data about all the space in between. So then you can plot the efficient pathway. And we're so used to engineering solutions in the modern world, we think we can fix or solve anything. So one of the things that our students and, frankly, many people present to us, even in their 30s, 40s, or 70s, is, what did I do wrong? I don't have it all figured out, as though you could figure it out. You can't figure it out. What you can do is get better and better at the innovative process of making it up as you go along. That's what we teach people how to do. You become really good at the improv game we call life. So in looking beyond, like, a major... I can see somebody saying, look, I'm 30, I've invested several years into, you know, being a banker or whatever it is, and, um, you know, I've climbed up I, I up the ladder to some degree, I understand how this industry works, and it's hard for me to 
imagine, even if I kind of want to do it, stepping off the ladder. It would mean starting all over again. I don't know that anybody would be interested in somebody who knows a lot about banking but obviously hasn't done anything else. What do you say to that? You know, I just talked to this woman on Sunday <laughs> afternoon. Um, <clears throat> literally, I, was, I did, I did a, a, an event with a whole bunch of young millennial people, 34 to 40, most of them. Um, and the woman walks up to me. She's six years into a career as a licensed social worker, hmm. and she wants to jump into the finance industry. A very natural step, obviously. Yeah, you know, sure. Oh, you're, you're good at social work. You ought to be running a hedge fund. Right. Um, so she goes, what, you know, what do I do? I'm stuck. You know, and I said, of course you're not stuck. And, and your question, how would you imagine and how do you jump off the ladder? Well, first of all, how do you imagine we can absolutely help people do that and have more ideas and get creative? We have some tools for doing that. And the best way to do that is talk to people who do it now. So we teach people how to make you know, connections with strangers and network, which is much easier than you think, to get people to tell their story because um, everybody loves telling their story. You can start learning what it's really like. And then maybe it's a big jump off the ladder, but you could do that a rung at a time and probably mm. with a parachute on. You don't have to make it terrifyingly scary. We set the bar low uh, and clear it and then repeat. The big thing people um, misunderstand is that it's a huge jump, and we, we shorten that jump a lot. Okay. I'm, I'm interested in that. Like, I'm really interested in the social work to finance thing. That does feel like a huge jump to me and that like people in finance would not think, ooh, social work, that is a great, you know, uh, preparatory step for being in finance. Right. Well, the first I mean, the first thing is that's what she thinks she wants to do. She actually knows absolutely nothing about whether she'd be any good at or like finance. She just knows she's ready to change. So we say, look, you're going to make some prototypes. First prototype is a prototype interview. Go find some people who are doing the thing that you think you want to do and ask them for their story. Get 30 minutes of their time, buy them a cup of coffee. When you hear those stories, you'll start to realize what is actually the truth about being a, quote, finance person, which, by mm-hmm. the way, has as many versions as designer or social worker, right? Mm-hmm. So, about two dozen cups of coffee before you even get to have a smart picture. Yeah, yeah, and so then let's assume she hears some stories. They really do resonate with her. And then we say, hey, go, go, shadow, a, go shadow this investment banker or go shadow this um, financial planner. She shadows the investment banker. She comes back and she says, it's just people who sit in rooms all day, talk about numbers. I think it was horrible. She shadows a financial planner. She goes, this is a person who's helping people Uh plan their future Mm -hmm. and and their retirement and what's going to happen to their kids. I really related to that because Mm -hmm. that's the part of me, the social worker part of me that wants to help. Right. So now all of a sudden she's discovered there is a place in finance that actually would value her soft skills. She still is going to have to probably go get a degree or maybe do some work in college or, or in a community college to build up a, you know, a set of skills that would, would give her access to an entry-level position. But, you know, as a, we were talking to somebody else who was a banker, and he said, hey, it's just, I get it. It's just the concept of sunk cost. My old career is a sunk cost. I'm right. just going to write it off and start the new one. Right. But right. I'm going to start it with small steps that are easy to take, that are not too scary. And um, it, half the time people discover, oh, this fantasy idea of the new career. Mm-hmm. It's not what they thought it was. Right. And they, they end up not jumping off that ladder. Um, Bill, uh, you talk about like these dysfunctional beliefs that people have, but they are often widespread. And you mentioned one in particular that, that jumped out at me, which is the idea that if you are successful, you will be happy. Right. I think to a lot of people, it's hard to believe that those things are not just completely linked, success and happiness. Well, it's funny because like, if you study anything about adult development or anything in the literature of sociology or stage theory, there's zero linkage between success, happiness, money and happiness. 
um, prof- you know, professional accomplishment, maybe, if it's, if it's also surrounded by great relationships and other things. So as we've been going out, and Dave and I have done, I don't know, 100 different events and a bunch of book stuff, uh, when I go out and I do a little mini workshop, uh, typically someone will raise their hand and they'll be stuck. And nine out of ten times, it's a very successful person. Huh. Uh, top lawyer at the firm, partner in the big uh, investment firm or something. Mm-hmm. They're very successful, vice president of something. And I'll say, what's the matter? And they go, I'm stuck. And I go, why? He says, well, because everybody tells me I should love my job. I'm so successful. Mm-hmm. I've got everything everybody says that I should want, and I'm miserable. So this notion, you know, that, that – and, and they were really, really betting on success would make them happy. Mm-hmm. And, and it doesn't. Success – happiness comes from, you know, relationships, comes from – uh, you know, being effective in the world in something beyond yourself. Almost all of the studies of happiness and uh, Martin Seligman's um, book called Flourish, Flourish. Uh, is, has a model for, for happiness. And it's much more than, you know, kind of monetary or, or the personal professional success. But it is funny. They describe themselves universally as the most stuck people in all of our workshops. You're listening to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller. I'm talking with Bill Burnett and Dave Evans. They're the authors of the book, Designing Your Life, which is also a course that they teach at Stanford. Do you feel like there is something about uh, this design approach that is there a reason that it has taken particular hold in Silicon Valley? Yeah, I think there's, a, you know, um, people need innovation and the process of innovation, the speed of innovation. I'm sure lots of the people you interview say it's going faster and faster. Right. Uh, companies are under more pressure. Markets are being disrupted, you know, by two kids out of Stanford, get a crazy idea to make pictures disappear, and boom, you have Snapchat. That right. was my advisee, Evan Spiegel, came in my office with that idea one day. I, I told him it was a terrible idea, um, <laughs> which he, he loves to quote in the press. But um, so the, the process is going faster and faster, and about 70% of new products fail. They hit the market. They don't solve a need that anybody really has. They're too hard to use, or they they are they are misdirected somehow. And so companies are really you know, searching for an innovation process that works. You know, I was on the first laptop team at Apple. We didn't know what a laptop looked like. Nobody did. Um, and then we invented one, and now everybody that's that, and everybody copies that. That's mm-hmm. what it looks like. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly what we're trying to do when we're designing our lives. We're trying to create this future. We don't know what it's going to look like. We're probably going to have to sneak up on it and build lots of prototypes. And, and it really has to fit the user precisely. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's got to fit the user. And the user has to have empathy for themselves and also empathy. What what does the world need me to do? Hmm. And it, it felt very much like the design thinking process, which was working so well for companies and in innovating in products and services and experience design, uh, would work for the experience of being me. Hmm. You also make this point that the design thinking process is lifelong, right? It's not just for 19-year-olds. It's not even just for 30-year-olds um, that you can keep reinventing. Because I think a lot of people think at 50, really, who's going to hire me to do a new thing? Uh, there's a limit to how long I can sort of keep changing it up. I just, Actually, that's I, not true. You know, it, it, it turns out, it, it's not, I, was, I was just talking to a good friend of ours who's actually the mother of one of the people it, whose story is in the book. She, I'm going to put her in the next book. Um, about 55, 53, 54, uh, and uh, woke up one day and said, I don't want to do what I'm doing anymore. You know what looks like the interesting thing to do is this user experience, user interaction design stuff. It has something to do with computers and how we use them. Took some online classes built up a little portfolio, found someone she knew at a company here in the Valley, Intuit, very creative company, does you know, Quicken and all those products. Um, he said, you were really good at that last thing you did, that project management thing. I bet I, 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 take a, I take a risk on you. I'll give you a six-month contract on this UI stuff. 
because I've seen your portfolio. It looks pretty good. She parlayed that six-month contract into an 18-month contract with um, a very large company and is now a UI designer at Google mm. at 55. Wow. Took her about three years to make the transition. Um, all of her project management and other skills are vital, you know, to being effective in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And now she's got a portfolio of new stuff. So she's pretty nimble. She's smart. She knows how to access information. But, boy, she's not special. Anybody could have gone mm -hmm. online and learned that stuff. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, there's so much you can learn by just, you know, getting up on uh, your laptop or Google. So I, it isn't just, for, I mean, it, as Dave said, it, wherever you are, so we have a big sign over the, our studio called You Are Here. And in the front of the book, if you take off the cover, it says You Are Here. Wherever you start, single mom, two kids, trying to get them, get them through high school, get them off to college. And, Coming out of... You know, you know, a vet with PTSD. Yeah, just trying to make a living and trying to go from a crummy job to a little bit better job. And when people and think, not pretending, yeah, go ahead. We're not pretending anybody can do anything. This isn't Pollyannism. You know, design isn't magic. It won't suddenly turn you into somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, we know that there are some people who are in very difficult situations. They're they're you know racially oppressed. They're they're you know they were dumped by their parents. Grew up in the foster system. You know, have bounced out of addiction. Okay. You've got a tough hand to play. We're not going to suddenly make that hand wonderful, mm -hmm. and now you've got a straight flush. What we are going to try to do is say, wherever you are, what tools can you use to make it a little bit better? That's what we're trying to do. What would you say, like, the first kind of actionable, simple step would be if you were to give somebody just one thing to start with? You know, um, particularly we, because we've been out on the road talking about the book in a variety of settings, people say, can you, can you just boil it down for us? Can you give it to us in one sentence? You know, and we like to say, well, we're Stanford educators. We eschew simple <laughs> sentences. And the, the life of the complex human person is more than a sentence worth of, of feedback. But in, uh, an honest answer to your question would be, yeah, we can. Uh, and the really <laughs> hyper-simplified thing, which really contains most of this, um, is the threefold step of number one, get curious. Number two, Talk to people. Number three, try stuff. So get curious, talk to people, try stuff. And the first one is really where the power is. We even talk about curating your curiosity. I'll let Bill speak to why curiosity is the starting place for pretty much everything we do. Hmm. You know, we're mostly taught to be rational, skeptical people and, you know, to ask good questions. And that's mm -hmm. just not useful when you're trying to invent something that's never been done before, if you're trying mm -hmm. to invent the mouse or the iPhone or something. So curiosity it, you know, gives you the energy to go meet strangers and talk to them. Curiosity gives you a valid point for inquiry. Like, I, I really want to hear your story. I'm not fishing for a job. I'm not fishing for a recommendation. Makes you authentic. Yeah. I'm just really authentically curious about mm -hmm. how did you end up, you know, hosting this, uh, this, this show mm -hmm. um, on innovation. And um, that curiosity leads to these experiences in the world and in, in information interviews and prototyping experiences, shadowing and other things, which give you information, you know, to just be in the world. And that's where the answers are. Bill Burnett and Dave Evans are the authors of Designing Your Life. They're also the teachers of the course by the same name at Stanford. Thank you so much for taking the time, both of you. Oh, you're welcome. It was fun. It's great to be at the Innovation Hub. If you want more from Burnett and Evans on how to design your life, head to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash innovationhubradio. 